Minnesota settles into the heart of winter. I get back on that horse, that is the easel, and I'm joined in conversation by Eli Libson. I've been looking forward to this chit-chat with Eli for some time, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did in four, three, two. Hello, art enthusiasts and art lovers. Welcome to episode 19 of Art Wonderful, the podcast where art is a religion. I'm your host, Nicholas Harper, and I'm broadcasting from my art studio deep within the Rogue Food Gallery. That's here in the heart of the Northeast Arts District in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where tonight it's a balmy 31 degrees Fahrenheit. I want to thank you for joining me as we explore everything the arts has to offer. It's the mission of this podcast to spread the gospel of the arts, their essential value to our everyday lives, and to offer a deep dive exploration into this most mysterious of subjects. You can learn more about myself, the Rogue Buddha Gallery, this podcast, and those we have on the show by visiting us online at roguebuddha.com. Click podcast from the menu. Before we get into the conversation I had last week with Eli, I thought I would just give you all an update on, well, what's been up with me and my art and the Rogue Buddha Gallery. This week, I began to dig the gallery out of hibernation. That means organizing, hanging art, setting lights, and clearing off the dust webs. All of this is in anticipation of opening to the public once again soon, or at least that's the plan. I'll probably start out with a truncated set of hours, maybe just one day a week for the time being. So, take that shutdowns. Also, I'm back at the easel after a little post-exhibit hiatus. I'm busy making a bunch of little studies that will be online and available just in time for Valentine's Day. I'll have a progress report for you next week. And speaking of next week, be sure to listen in on next week's episode, where I'll be chit-chatting about my body of landscape paintings, which I refer to as nocturnes. We're going to go deep diving into the wonderful world of Twilight Reveries. And that's enough about me. On to the conversation with Eli. Now, Eli is one of my favorite artists for a few different reasons. Of course, his art is right up my alley, being fantastical, wondrous, and of impeccable quality. But his passion and approach to his work, well, it just seems to add an extra layer of awesomeness. To top it all off, he's a great guy in general, and his work ethic is beyond enviable. So, it was not only a pleasure to meet him a few years back and begin to work with him at the Rogue Buddha Gallery, but the friendship and camaraderie that, well, was born out of that is something I truly cherish, and a friendship I look forward to growing well into the future. So, without further ado... Here's the conversation with artist Eli Lipson. Well, Eli, thank you for being with me today. It's a super huge honor to have you here. Um, well, it's it's a pleasure to be on here with you. And um, I, I saw you last week and mentioned it's just you definitely have the voice for radio, and it's and it's an honor to you know, have the opportunity. We've, me and my wife have really enjoyed listening um, to your podcast before and during, you know, it, it took a little break, which is everybody has. Yeah. Um, but it, but it really, uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, and I'm glad you're back. Sweet. So, and, and I'm, I feel really blessed to have this opportunity to be on here with you because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of your artwork as well. So, ah. um, Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I guess um, I'm just going to give kind of a little bit of backstory for the people who um, are listening as to how you and I kind of came to know each other. Um, sure. I really didn't know. We met about what? It's been about four years ago now. Uh, I think so. Maybe a little bit more than four years. And uh, I met you at an art opening, one of my art openings, actually, at another gallery. And um, yeah. typically the funny thing is, um, you know, we, we were having a conversation and, you know, one of my one of my pointers to artists is never bring up talking about their own art or doing a show at an opening, uh-huh. but that kind of like all went out the door <laughs> with our conversation. <laughs> and it was like, all right, let's talk about this show you want to do. Cause it was intriguing. I, 
I apologize. I have no filters. I don't <laughs> no, that's I, all right. You did like the. You're like, check this stuff out on the phone. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the number one thing. Don't pull out your phone. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was like, yeah, okay, no, let's I, see. I fail at all of the uh, uh, procedures that someone should probably follow. So <laughs> totally. Don't, totally. Don't do what I do. You know, but totally. somehow. And the, I, through this weird world, I've stumbled through it, and it's kind of worked. Oh, man. Well, and that's kind of the thing. It's like, <laughs> abide by the rules except for when you don't need to. <laughs> and, like, when you don't, and you break them, yeah. and it works out. <laughs> so, yeah. artists out there, yeah. do whatever you want to do, really. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you approached me, and we started talking about the show, your artwork, and the show idea you had. Um, and you mentioned some other artists that you wanted to have in the exhibit, including Alex Kuno, who I knew mm -hmm. and had exhibited yeah. before. So I knew, you know, you know, you were yeah. already talking pretty, pretty quality people. Um, yeah. And then you mentioned John Sauer, who I didn't know. But I did know. I knew his work. I didn't put the name together with his work, but I had seen his work around town. So once I figured out that connection, that was a no-brainer. Um, and then I had no clue who Heather Renault was until you brought her up and introduced me to her. And since then, I've become a huge fan and love her work and what she does and who she is. So that was kind of like this the, the core of this exhibit, which became known as Unloved Creatures. Um, and we exhibited it at uh, the Rogue Buddha what three years ago yeah right. i think it was three years ago 2018 yeah yeah uh for another one i'm really bad at dates too i am too <laughs> yeah and time flies it's like what year is it now yeah. so um yeah so this was uh valentine's day for 2018 unloved creatures we did this four-person show with you guys and uh and then that was such a huge hit um i think for not only everybody involved in the show, everybody loved it, but the, the fans here and the clients and everything, it was just such a great concept that you guys came up with. Um, we decided to do it again the next year, and this time expanded a little bit in each of you, the four core artists, um, curating in another artist that you guys each loved. And so it kind of doubled yeah. into eight an eight-person show in 2019. Uh, 2020, or wait, no, it was 19 and 20, and yeah, because yeah, so, we didn't have it last. Yeah. Yep. And so this yep. one coming up now in 2021 is kind of on hiatus at the at this point. Um, whether or not it'll happen still in 2021, just later than than Valentine's, or uh, if we're gonna yeah. wait till 2022. But that's kind of how we met. And yeah. uh, like I said earlier, it's been a super huge honor <laughs> getting to know you and and whatnot. Um, can you tell people just a little bit about yourself, your background, and and who you are? Yeah. Sure. Um, so I, I don't really have a background in fine art, so to speak. So that's part of the failure on my part to not really know how to approach <laughs> someone or, you know, um, and, uh, my, my background, um, as a, as, you know, as a kid, I was always interested in star Wars and, uh, special effects and uh, I wanted to try to figure out a way to, um, you know, after seeing Star Wars as a kid, like, I want to do that. And uh, kind of got to trying to figure out a way to move in that direction and uh, make spaceships and aliens and creatures. So, uh, so when you really saw Star Wars, how... so when you saw yeah. Star Wars, you didn't want to be the Jedi. You wanted to be the person making the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was magical, and uh, and I, you know, and my parents had said like immediately. I had told them that's what I want to do, for, you know, as a job. I, I want to make that kind of stuff, and um, at a really early age, and so uh, the direction is kind of I've kind of been on that trajectory since I was you know four or five years old, old seeing it. And, um, it's gone in different directions and kind of curved around in different ways. But, um, I ended up in college going to school for industrial design. I went to Stout in Wisconsin mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of the artists that worked on those movies were, uh, that did concept design and built the practical models where industrial had backgrounds in industrial design or architecture. And so, um, my dad was an arch my dad uh, was an architect. Uh, he's not really practicing right now, but uh, 
he he kind of had some ideas in terms of directions on how to to do that type of job and so he 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 was instrumental in pushing me towards uh the product design thing uh and and going to stout because they had a good program they were doing stuff with rollerblade at the time and so uh i ended up going to stout and this was um in 94 and uh i was um part of that time uh i there started to be a turnover into uh doing the visual effects started going the route of CG or computer generated images. Mm-hmm. That was uh, around the time that uh, Jurassic Park came out, and um, you know, I was a, f- a total fanboy to this this whole thing. So, anytime uh, any of these artists that came into town to Chicago or wherever they were going to speak about making movies from ILM, I would drive, you know, and see these guys and pick their brains and ask them questions. And um, I met Lauren Peterson, who was in charge of the model making department at ILM. He he built the, you know, all the the Imperials, uh, you know, the the worked on all kinds of different uh, spaceships and yeah. uh, practical models for the movies. And he worked on uh, in the Hoth scene, the giant Wampa creature and the Tauntauns. And yeah. anyways. Um, I went to him and I asked him, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty decent at making models and creatures. I showed him my portfolio and he said, well, you need to, to look at CG. You need to look at, uh, learning 3d software because I can tell you right now we're working on Jurassic park. And that is now it's, you can breathe life into, uh, these, non-physical objects and they you know the, the musculature is there uh it's believable three this this the cgi images you're not going to believe what you know it, it's not a practical practical thing it's not a an actual model this this is something that's built in the computer and and it's believable and this is the way the technology is going yeah and so i ended up um finding out that there was an exchange program with the school in sweden that they had access to the software and the these giant mach- SGI machines that allowed for you to do renders and animation to to do you know what they used for Jurassic Park and uh, which was al- was Alias Wavefront. Mm-hmm. So I actually did an exchange to Sweden for um, eight months just to create a demo reel to work on you know because I didn't have access to that software at the time at, at stout. Mm-hmm. And when I got back, um, I finished up, uh, school and, um, me and, uh, my girlfriend at the time who eventually became my wife, we moved, uh, out to California where that work was. And, um, I tried to get work in, uh, doing movies and I ended up sliding into doing work on, video games because there was much more video game work mm-hmm. at the time. And, um, so I was doing that for seven years, uh, doing, uh, cinematics, mo- cut scenes, little movies for video games and building, um, characters and props and different things in the computer, uh, using various software packages. And then, um, any when games, my, any games I'd be aware of or, some some true crime a true crime game i worked on um uh, a bunch of x-men games i worked on a james bond game i worked on uh i mean tons and tons of games i can't even remember all of them yeah Uh, yeah and so uh i my son was born and uh living in California was pretty fast paced and pretty expensive. And my wife and I agreed that it would be better to come back to the Midwest and if we could find work. And so I was able to find work, uh, in Northfield, uh, doing work with Nintendo doing concept work. And, um, yeah, so I've been doing the video game thing 
since 2000. I can't say often enough just how much I love Minneapolis and the art scene that we have brewing here. It's a real honor to be a part of this community and to work alongside and with so many talented people and organizations. One of those organizations that really helps tie everything together is our partners over at MPLSArt.com. That's MPLSArt.com. Not only do they provide an essential gallery guide for the Twin Cities, but they're on top of each and every amazing event that comes down the pipeline. And on top of that, they offer some amazing writing on various arts-related topics. They really are a one-stop shop if you're looking to see what the Minneapolis and Twin Cities art scene is all about. If you're looking for something to do in person or experience online, visit MPLSArt.com today. Coming back here, I've had a little bit more time. In California, it was... You know, you go into work at nine o'clock and you'd get home you know, home at like nine thirty at night. So, doing I never was able to do the to my own creative endeavors. No, you know, and so it wasn't until I really came back to the Midwest where I had a a little bit normal, a more normal work cycle with the game comp developer I was working with that I could start to kind of um, explore some of the the kind of weird shit going on in my head. You know, the yeah. uh, creativity. And, uh, did that exist and, before the, like, were you making art before you went into yeah, this as a career? Yeah. Okay. I, it, it, the, the, um, the, yeah, that hydrant was always, it was always flowing. Yeah. Um, I, I used to, I take the train in every day and I would, I'd have, I'd, I'd have, um, many, many, many sketchbooks just full of weird ideas but they never really got polished and really, uh, it, it really, it was, um, I got back to the Midwest and then it was, uh, Hey, maybe I can start to push some art in coffee shops. And, uh, my, my uh, ex-wife, she was, uh, she was working at a coffee shop and, and, uh, helping manage it. And she was like, Hey, there's all this wall space. Maybe put some of your art up and she put some of her art up as well. And it started to move and it was like, Hey, this is like, I can actually sell some of this stuff. And it, it started digital printed on canvas. Okay. That was kind of how, cause I knew digital. I didn't know how to paint really, uh, you know, and, uh, were you so using was, like a program like Maya for that or was um, it a three dimensional Well, no, I would program? just, I would take a drawing and then I'd scan it and then I would, gotcha. uh, like a, an inked drawing, kind of like comic books. Yeah. And then I would color it in Photoshop. Gotcha. And then I would send that image off to, uh, you know, a, a company that would print it on canvas. Yeah. And so I was doing that for a while. Okay. Because I know an artist that we showed way back in the day and now is kind of really exploded Ray Caesar. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with him. Absolutely. He's, I, he's uh, a hero. He's very talented. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember, and this is maybe 15, 15 years ago and he was, he was doing 3d animation as a career and turned that into, yeah. you know, more fine art, but his fine art was 3d generated through Maya, I think was the program. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the same. That's the software I use in it. And it's, really he was one of the ones that where it was like wow he crossed over into the fine art world and it was like yeah. hey maybe this is something that you know could could 3d be considered fine art like it was always kind of you know really never got any sort of um street credit or something you know yeah yeah it's it, it still is a tough one too people want that original you know piece of art they they don't want to believe that it could be replicated and so that's still a dilemma and so excuse me that was a thing for me where i kind of i i crossed over and i was like listen i i i you know i was looking at the stuff that you were doing and and um i had um my my mom had always been in into art and she would take me to art world mm -hmm. and so i uh 
continue that love of art world and, and seeing the amazing art of, at Northrop King building and then going to your gallery and just in, in my humble opinion that you have the most beautiful gallery in the twin cities. And so it was like this little goal in like the back of my head, like maybe I don't, I, I'll, 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 I'll see, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's probably no chance in hell, but why, why not? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of one of these, uh, I take this approach where, Hey, life is short and uh, you might as well just go for it. And, you know, if it doesn't work, then, well, that wasn't meant to be. And you yeah. just, you know, and yeah. so I was very fortunate that uh, you you were so gracious and kind and, and, and gave me an opportunity. And um, well, anyway, anyway, so I, um, yeah, so, so I saw, I, you know, Rogue Buddha was really inspiring. And I was like, man, that gallery is awesome. And, and I kind of thought like, I need to like start to kind of paint again and try to learn how to, to do this. And, um, you know, I, it's still a, it's a, it's a lifetime learning process and yeah. heck at it. I'm still terrible, but I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> I, each time I, you know what I mean? Every, every, you know, every painting I do, I get a little bit better and I, and I try to, uh, to use some of the previous techniques I had with, doing concept design where um, some of that stuff is applicable in terms of composition and, you know, the, the painting quality isn't really there yet, but I'm, I'm forging forward and I'll get there eventually, hopefully. Now, some of you may not be familiar with Eli's work. In that case, I'd recommend you hop on over to the Rogue Buddha Gallery website and check it out. A link to some of his work can be found on the homepage, as well as on the podcast page. That's at roguebuddha.com, R-O-G-U-E-B-U-D-D-H-A.com. Well, I, I would disagree. I think the quality's <laughs> definitely there. But, you well, know, every artist is their worst yeah. critic, so which is a yeah, good thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. we have to push ourselves because we don't have a boss, yeah. really. So it's up to us <laughs> to be our boss. But, but um, yeah. you know, and if I, if I remember correctly, I mean, you're, you bring a lot of different techniques into a painting, too. It's not just acrylic paint, but you're using pens, pencils, uh, all yeah. sorts of different medium to create your, your final image. Yeah. So working with like Nintendo and doing concept art, you, you know, it ultimately it's what's the quickest way that you, because in the, that production world, everything is all about time and, and speed. And I mean, it's got to look good. It can't look like crap, yeah. but it also, you know, they just, the concept and composition has to work and it, it just, you know, and so you, you, you have this kind of speed of doing things and you, you'll, you'll use different, uh, mediums that maybe you wouldn't think would work together. Somehow they, they do, you know, like yeah, it achieves yeah. the look and it, and a lot of that work is kind of throwaway. A lot of times, like no one will ever see it, you yeah. know, other than an art director or your, your boss or the, whoever is leading the team. I mean, yeah. so, um, I definitely have like a detachment from if it, uh, isn't working, it's just like, bye, you know, <laughs> I can, I can let it go and not feel like I've just lost a baby or something, you know, it's like, sure. is this working? And, but on the flip side, it's like, I, I do need to slow down a little bit and I see the, like the work that you and Alex do where it's like, so just there's this buttery quality and the and perfection in the lines and the, you know, it's just so clean. And so I've, I've been trying to slow down and, and take note of some of the techniques that you guys have, you know, earned from many, many years. Well, I've know, been chasing Alex doing... forever. I'm still, I'm still trying to play catch up with that guy. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's next level. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. And, and so amazing. I, one of the things with the the unloved creature show too was um 
I wanted to surround myself with people that, um, you know, kind of learn from people and surround myself with people that are way, way better than me just to kind of like, okay, you damn well better show up because these guys are <laughs> awesome. And if you, if you bring some like stuff that's not up to par, why bother? You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to pick out like this awesome talent of, you know, Angel Hawari and Heather Renault and John Sauer and, you know, Alex Kuno and it just, yeah. and then it was like, all right. And, you know, Jesse McNally and DC ice. And I mean, it, it just keeps getting better and better. And yeah. it just makes me raise my game up. And man, I, I don't know. I, it's that show was really fun and fantastic. And it's still one I, of my favorites. Definitely. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it encapsulates everything I love about art, like the, the, um, fantastical the whimsical the magical realism um yeah also a level of silliness there's like a, a weird layer of silliness where it's like you know yeah. these are serious artists but there's also like this yeah people bring their own there there there's a charm and there's there's yeah. the personality of each artist that is really inherent in each you know body of work and it's really i don't know for me i just really i I get a kick out of it. It's really fun. Yeah. You know, how do you describe your artwork to somebody that's never seen it before? Like, I'm going to recommend to the the people listening that you go to the Rogue Buddha website, check out the store, um, check out the artist page to see your work. Um, But how do you describe it? You know, I guess the best way to describe it is, um, you know, it's, it's really born from like the, you know, 80s movies and Jim Henson uh, I'm, I'm heavily borrowing from like Brian Froud and like the dark crystal, the labyrinth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm really interested in, uh, botany and zoology and trying to recreate stuff that could possibly exist in nature, mm-hmm. but then has this like real playful, like, you know, why does it have that stupid horn on it? But then it's got <laughs> like a mustache and then it, you know, I really like that kind of stuff where it's like there's a little glint in their eyes sometimes. And it's like this thing is like a mischievous little character. Yeah. And, it, and I feel like, you know, it's in the Star Wars universe. Certainly that is definitely an influence, too. So there's there's all of those little kind of like Saturday morning cartoon tie ins. And yeah. but I I want it to look three dimensional and I want it to look like it could exist in some, you know, that it could be built in 3d. And that's one of the things where it's just this weird tie in with the way that I, because I, I'm constantly building in 3d all day long mm-hmm. that I kind of, I kind of paint, try to paint in 3d as well, where, yeah. um, and I'm still learning, you know, uh, with that, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of like, that's something I, tr- I aim to, to make it look like the, anatomy and skeletal system is correct and that not always the case Mm -hmm. uh some of it's like i'm like i'm gonna just let this go and it's gonna have dragon arms and (laughs) you know it's gonna be more a little bit more cartoony maybe in some ways but still have a you could also see it realized in 3d and believe it as well Have I mentioned how much I like Minneapolis before? I should be getting some money from the tourism board at this point. Well, in particular, I love the neighborhood I was born and raised in, and now that plays home to my studio and art gallery. That, of course, is Northeast Minneapolis. Now, there are literally hundreds of artists and studios in this neighborhood. If only there was a place to visit and explore them all online. Ah, There is. Our partners over at NEMA.org. That's N-E-M-A-A dot org. They not only organize one of the largest and coolest art tours in the country, if not the world, Art World, but they have an extensive list of member artists with links to their stores and online resources. You could literally spend days sifting and exploring as you search for your next art soulmate, and I recommend that you do just that. Again, 
at nema.org, N-E-M-A-A dot org. Well, do you have any aspirations of uh, bringing these to life in in film or yeah, TV? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, my uh, my goal, um, I have a, a field guide book that I've created, and my goal would be at some point to have uh, that the the creatures realize in VR, yeah. something like that. You know, that's a great segue for this book, uh, Mysterious Creatures Field Guide. This book is incredible. We've had it at the rogue Buddha now for sale for a while. And I got to say, seeing adults eyes light up like they're kids looking at this thing. It's incredible. Can you talk a little bit about what this book is and how it came to be? Sure. Um, so I, I worked with, uh, so it's basically 200 pages and, uh, of, uh, made up creatures, uh, from, uh, my imagination. They're, they start out as uh, I take various animals uh, and composite them together in Photoshop uh, and do these kind of just so the anatomy works out. So mm-hmm. there might be like a, a goat combined with um, maybe a jackrabbit or something, let's just say. And, uh, and that is uh, basically um, using like cut and paste the parts of the legs and the are the bones are moved around and it's, uh, loosely, um, printed out on, on like white paper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I take graphite and I, uh, like pencils and smudge sticks and I work out more of the form and dimension of the muscles and the hair and the horns. And, uh, and I get this really tight graphite drawing mm-hmm. that, uh, is basically the creature more or less that gets scanned into the computer and um, it is reprinted out on uh, like a watercolor, like a really thick watercolor paper Mm -hmm. in which from that state, then it's uh, there's washes of watercolor that I do and acrylics and color pencils and white out pen markers and, you know, to get the desired look. And then that's rescanned into the computer and uh, that ends up in com- composited into uh, this book, and uh, each creature uh, has its, you know, Latin name and its <laughs> feeding, you know, and mating habits, and it's, you know, on and on, just like any other field guide, like a Peterson field guide. Yeah. And that was that was the the gist of it. And I worked with a, a fantastic artist uh, by the name of Ernesto East. And he helped me get the the really nice finishing look like it's the the book looks aged Mm -hmm. and uh, he did a beautiful job of helping me put it together. Um, And uh, how long did this project take? Because this is, I mean, Um, it's intensive. It just looking at it, you know, this is. Yeah, I did most of the art over the course of a year. Okay. Uh, So I I was doing about a, a creature every day and a half, two days. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. So I would work like each one is like maybe eight, 10 hours. It depends on the creature. Some of them were much more, uh, I spent more time. I got into a particular creature and spent a little bit more time on it, but yeah, they, they, each creature got about, I don't know, eight, 10, 12 hours probably. So it was like, you know, start working at six at night and it would go into like one in the morning or something. And then same thing the next day. And it just, yeah. and it's funny. It, we waste, a, I'm not gonna say waste, you, you know, we need to like relax and stuff. But for me, it was very, uh, it, it helped me just chill out and, and putting, uh, you might get into this meditative for me yeah. where there's this kind of zone you get in and, and especially being on a computer all day, actually the tactile feel of touching the paper and painting and, and this kind of matter of fact, like this is, I'm, so I messed up on this brush stroke. That's it. You know, like I have to live with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's di- in, in using the, di- in the digital world, it's control Z undo, 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 you know, like yeah. you can infinitely just keep going on something. And this kind of forced me to move on, 
And uh, for me, it was really, uh, it was, it was fantastic. You've had artist talks here at the gallery. And one of the things I've introduced you as is one of the hardest working artists that I know. And, (laughs) you know, coming back to this idea, you're spending a full day at work doing creative artistic projects and then coming home and then working. (laughs) What's that? Not, not always super creative. Oh, at work? No, not always. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, and then, you know, because that's a, that's a common complaint within the art world from people is that, you know, after a full day at work, they don't have any energy left, you know, emotional. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow you pull it off and you're, you're putting, not just here and there, but every day, it seems like, you know, you're crunching and just cranking on the work and creating awesome stuff. And then you also have your family and, you know, that you're balancing. And so can you talk about a little bit about that balance between work life, artistic, personal life and family? Yeah, no, it it is really tough. And, uh, helps have an awesome uh, wife, by the way, Kim is amazing. So yeah, yeah. Kim is awesome. (laughs) I got really lucky. And I met her actually at, uh, you know, at your gallery and that's right. Oh, that's funny. Um, forget about that. Yeah. So, um, no, it's, uh, like I said, I, my, uh, what works for me doesn't always work for everybody else, but Mm -hmm. you know, I've got two kids and, uh, you know, with, with work, I, I, I work, uh, you know, in the past I've had a long commute. And, uh, so I've discovered that there's like little, um, pieces of time that are all over the place that if you can harness them, you can really get a lot of stuff done. And so, uh, for example, this room that I'm in right now, this is, uh, our kind of a closet space. You mm-hmm. can't really see because not everybody can does a video, but yeah. I'm in a walk-in closet right now. And uh, this was, uh, for many years, was my studio space. And so basically in the morning, I'd, I'd, I would have like uh, my, my canvases and my, uh, you know, art set up on this little table. And uh, I'd have the, the paint all wet. And when I'd get up in the morning, I'd let the dog out. And I just, just kind of peck at it for, you know, a half an hour, sometimes an hour, you know, those little time bits add up. It's incredible. And so, you know, I, you know, you you get your clothes back on, you're like, all right, I got to go to work and you take off. And then you, you come home at night and you're taking your clothes off at night. You're like, all right, well, before I go to bed, I'm going to just peck at this for another like hour. And before you know it in a day that you didn't think you had any time you have two and a half hours maybe yeah and that and that shows up in the art and you know you do that three four days a week and then you've got a piece you know by the end of the week and it's just you know on saturdays and sundays i have big chunks of time so when i know that there are uh i need to to make more progress on something I'll slot that in and go like, all right, I need to finish this. And so I'm that I'm going to this weekend, I'm going to try to finish it. And so you just like you, you, you get up early if that's what it takes so that you still have your family time mm-hmm. and you, you get that done. And then at night you're dead tired and maybe you, you know, you do the same thing early, if you're early riser or if you are a night owl, you, you know, I know you, you work, you like to work late. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite where I, I work early. That's, okay. That, that's what works for me usually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Now, when you're at work, are you thinking about what you're going to do when you get home? Like, are you daydreaming Absolutely. about, I can't wait to oh, get yeah, back yeah, and yeah. start? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm working it out of my head sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I want to do that. Or there'll be times where, so I'm I'm doing a, a show on Saturday uh, at this place called Legacy Glassworks. Okay. And, um it's, I needed a, a few new pieces for this particular show as well. It's, and, uh, um, so I was like, I, I went to sleep kind of thinking on it and I, I started kind of like working all this stuff out in my dream. And then I got up in the morning and was like, okay, that's how I'm going to do it. And I, I was able to like, in a relatively short amount of time, put together some, 
cool mashup ideas and yeah. get something together that, you know, for the time frame that I had a lot to me, wasn't, it's not spectacular or oil painting <laughs> or really awesome, but it like the concept is cool and it, it worked out pretty good. So, um, uh, you're lucky that but, uh, something in your dream worked out in real life. I know I've tried, I've had dreams of work before and yeah. then I tried painting it in real life and just horrible <laughs> just like, what? Uh, just could not yeah. find it you know yeah yeah no it's somehow it works like i don't know like i wow. uh sometimes it works out like that for me like the certainly those uh those kind of oni japanese demons with the the dragon arms mm-hmm. uh that was totally a, something that came about like in a dream you know oh, wow so oh very um, cool so yeah i don't know i it, Sometimes I, you know, and it, it's weird. I, it's not like a dream where, uh, it, it's more of this kind of, uh, like daydreaming or something where you just kind of, you just uh-huh, kind of sure. see it. You, yep. you know what I mean? Where you're in like a lucid state where you're like, you get up in the middle of the night and you're like, you're not really asleep, but you're, and you're just oh, kind yeah. of, and you're like, and then you just see it and you're like, oh damn. Okay. I got to try to make that. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's and even awesome. if they don't turn out exactly how you, do you know what I mean? Like to the, perfection of the way you saw it in your dream yeah concepts are there sometimes true i think yep nope that makes a lot of sense um have you had that ever ha- like besides a, a couple of them that were fails have you had some of them where like well the, the funny long, thing, like because your stuff's very dreamlike you well know? the funny thing is the ones that i've dreamt of were so completely not my style but i got excited uh-huh. in my dream that it's like oh you know i want to do this yeah. painting it would be like you know dreaming about doing this weird drip abstract painting and in my dream it looked amazing and then in real yeah. life i went and tried to make it it was like oh <laughs> i'll stick to what i do <laughs> it just yeah. didn't work out i've had i've had plenty of those too where it's like this is not it seems so good and then totally totally like terrible <laughs> totally Speaking once again of Northeast Minneapolis and the home of the Rogue Buddha Gallery, well, the gallery just happens to be in the heart of the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District. The organization that is tasked with maintaining and protecting the district and the arts in Northeast has been responsible for a myriad of amazing programs and events all with the focus on supporting and promoting the artists we love and admire here in our neck of the woods. Be sure to check out everything this amazing organization does online at northeastminneapolisartsdistrict.org. N-O-R-T... Uh, I'm not going to spell it. Northeastminneapolisartsdistrict.org. There's a link on the Rogue Buddha website if you don't feel like typing that all in. And by all means, make a donation today to help them as they help the artists here in the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District. So how has things changed for you? Um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit last week, uh, pre-COVID and COVID, because now I know you're working more at home. Yeah, so for me, the commute that I had, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, 12 hours. And even today, drive, you know, kind of picking up some stuff, it was it was pretty treacherous, the roads. Yeah. And um, 12 no, hours over a week. A week, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's about a, it's about hour an hour and fifteen minutes of this commute, this this job that I okay. that I do. So um, yeah, having that that time back, you know, is to to spend with with Kim and have lunch with her, and and my kids are also doing online schooling, mm-hmm. so they're around as well. So you know, I can peek at what they're up to, and they're wildly they're creative and yeah super fun and so they'll look at the stuff i'm working on and they'll they'll be like hey you should try this and we kind of bounce ideas around and how old are your uh, kids so uh my my son is 15 and my my daughter is 14 okay and and uh yeah my son is definitely more uh into music and he's uh much more uh technical minded and my daughter has definitely got more of the she's more on the artist side and uh okay. i 
I think you, you'll you'll see her around someday. Yeah. Oh, sweet. She's she's got she's she's very very talented. Awesome. Uh, very cool. Yeah. She she did the uh, Uptown Art Fair. Uh, I guess it was two years ago. Uh, and wow. in Calhoun Square, they had a like a kids area. Yeah. And uh, she killed. Really? <laughs> she did. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. She, yeah, so she got the bug, and she's wow, she's awesome. So Gosh, I, yeah. I kind of have to start doing that, like uh, how they do for uh, college athletes. They start scouting in grade school. I got to start <laughs> yeah. scouting grade school and high school kids yeah. for like make sure they're. I get them at the Rogue Buddha first. <laughs> I I, I think it'd be scouting. cool to have like you know like rookie cards and like art, <laughs> like you know like baseball cards you know like. Totally. Man, we got Nicholas Harper. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's funny. That would uh, be super fun. So I wanted to, and this is kind of playing off of your kids too, like, because um, you mentioned earlier about how your inspiration really started <laughs> at around age four or five. And I've got to imagine, like, well, I'm curious what it feels like now to be making work that other kids are going to be inspired by. You know, like this field guide, seeing how adults react to it is incredible, but you know. Yeah. I've had a lot of, um, I've had a, a lot of parents say like that. It's like a thing that their, their kids like love trying, they, they've created their own creatures and it's been an inspiration to them and they're going out to like hunt for critters. <laughs> and one thing I was, was going to bring up was, um, you had mentioned that you've been kind of hiking and going around through the Theaterworth Parkway area and. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Kim last week went through, uh, to the, um, there's like a caveman that's like encased in ice. Have you heard about this? I don't think so. No, I haven't. Heard um, I, I forget oh. the name of the artist. This is probably w- worth like looking up who, uh, who created it, but there's this public art where, uh, there's, uh, like a clear plastic cube it is yeah. over by the uh, the chalet, the old chalet uh, off of uh, Theaterworth Parkway. Yeah. And in it, encased, is this caveman. Oh. Funny. And and it and it totally looks like he he was unearthed, and yeah. you're just walking along this pathway along this uh, little creek, and all of a sudden there's this like <laughs> frozen caveman, That's and awesome. um, I just I love that stuff. And uh, where it's public art and it's like, wow, you like laugh and you're like, you want to take a picture with it. And yeah, it's inspired, you know, so you know, there was a guy, it, he doesn't live here anymore. Cameron Gaynor, um, Cameron Keith Gaynor, he created a, a abominable snowman and put him just oh. out in the middle of a field randomly for oh, people awesome. to like come across. And then he did that with Loch Ness Monster and plopped it in like, Oh, Cal- he did the Loch Ness Monster? Oh, okay. Cause yeah, just plopped it that. in the lake out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Or the little doors where they, you know, like they're like the fairy or elf yep. uh, thing, like that whole thing. Like that, I, that is my jam. 100%. Yeah. Like I love that stuff. And yeah, I would, that would, I guess a, a goal would be to not only do the, the VR thing, but it would be awesome to actually like have physical creatures that you can go on these little hunts. And I, I want kids to get out into nature and it, yeah. adults, everybody, you know, like you, you've been having a great time with it. It sounds like. Yeah. I'm hitting up state parks pretty much twice a week right now. Um, that's, that's awesome. You know, my friend Phaedra turned me on to it. Another local artist, Phaedra Odell, um, yeah. like I go walking just in the neighborhood and there's a couple local, not state parks that I go to regularly, but, uh, yeah. and I've been to a couple state parks in the past camping and whatnot, but Phaedra and her daughter, because of the, her job was forced to close down over the summer. And so to kind of connect with her daughter, they started going to state parks and I had no idea how many there were in Minnesota, how many are within an hour drive of Minneapolis and they're incredible oh. and you get out there yeah. and you know, I'm a little bit more, I think, daring because I get there with like half an hour of light left. And so I'm usually the only one in this, in these huge parks late at night because yeah. everybody else is, you know, trying to get home before dark. But that's so cool to get, like, you have it to yourself. Like, that is fantastic. Yeah, it's crazy. But then the funny thing is I'm like out there, I was, 
middle of Afton State Park in the prairie. I'm like, do squirrels hunt in packs? Like, <laughs> I don't know anything yeah. about nature. <laughs> so then, then I'm like, God, I wish I had Eli's field guide with me. Like, <laughs> <the hell was that? laughs> totally. It's like, do deer gang up on humans? Like, what do I got to worry about here? I mean, it's pretty rare, but there is an occasional <laughs> attack from like a like a buck that is like a little horny. Totally, you know <laughs> totally. I've seen those <laughs> YouTubes where, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. some it's poor dude just getting beat. It's like, let's see how close I can get to this thing, and totally. it's like, that's a bad idea, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. you're new to Art Wonderful, well, first of all, thanks for joining us today. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Eli Lipson. And be sure to check out our previous episodes, where again we explore all of the awesomeness that is the arts. And be sure to check back next week for a brand new episode. In this episode, I'll be discussing a new body of work that I have on exhibit, a series of landscapes I refer to as Nocturnes. We'll be doing a deep dive exploration into the wonderful world that is Twilight. Again, that's here at RogueBuddha.com, or you can also tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We're in the, the whole COVID thing. Um, are you making more artwork nowadays? Yeah, yeah, I've um I I definitely uh have been doing uh watercolor paintings in the books that I've been selling kind of through your website and and I'm working with Cassie at Gamut Gallery as well. Mm-hmm. And Sweet. um so th- those are originals which that's been kind of like keeping me busy. Um I've also been doing uh uh, some taking some of the 3D that I do in doing uh, stereolithography prints or uh, 3D printing. Oh, cool. um, so I'm I'm in process of trying to uh, with uh, Ernesto, my uh, my main squeeze who helped me create the book. Yeah, he is uh, he's got a background in doing uh, toy design and and uh, he is helping me build. Uh, my kind of robot avatar character. Oh. It's this kind of pink bot with, uh, and so we are, um, I did the design and now he's engineering it and he's doing all the hard work, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty, it's, so we've, we've, we have one of the models printed out. And I think, I'm not sure if on him, on his end, he's done a prototype as well, but uh, we're, uh, that was like a an eight inch okay. version of the toy, and we're going to I think do something that's like twice the size, which will have like uh, articulated uh, joints, and it's essentially the the character itself has kind of uh, almost tentacle arms and legs, which uh, are segmented almost like uh, you know like the Rolex watches or the where they they're the way it's kind of uh, bracketed together. It, uh, I forget the name of that uh, bracketing system where it um, it's like a male and female that kind of interchange. Oh, sure. So that, yeah. Uh, so that you'll be able to, to pose the arms, these kind of uh, okay. squid-like arms on it. Yeah. What uh, so, What kind of time frame are, are we looking at for those to be out? Well, um, we, we, that's the thing with all this stuff. It's, uh, you, you, Look at progress. I, I don't, we can't really do a time. You yeah. Don't really know. Yep. Uh, it just kind of go, the book, uh, you know, I think it, t- it took like five or six years in the end yeah. to, to finally see it all the way to completion, you know? And, uh, this project, uh, you know, I, I obviously I'd like to have something, you know, and then in basically by the end of the summer, yeah. Um. I, we have a prototype, which is really exciting, and that came about in a course of like three months. So we'll see what happens with, uh, you know, the next stage of this. But cool. You know, we have we need to figure out um, 
there's a lot of details that need to be worked out in terms of packaging, in terms of how we even, uh, you know, cast this thing and molds and would it ever be done somewhere outside of the United States and the complexities that exist in terms of outsourcing and, you know, it's like anything when it's on a small scale, it gets really, really costly. So, (laughs) uh, you know, all these things, like even the book, it, it is still because it's just basically me and my wife bankrolling it, it, you know, the books are costly to produce. Yeah. And so it, it, it's hard to like make money on the stuff because, you know, you can't, everybody expects things to be like priced at a scale that's extremely large at like that yeah. Walmart scale where there's like 2 million of these things so we can print <laughs> it for, you know, 10 bucks and, it, totally. and it, it's not the case for a lot of independent people. You know? Yeah. So, well, and then the fact that you're putting in, individual handmade pieces in the front cover too that's down too. <laughs> yeah. people really are receptive to that and that part's uh, amazing yeah at that price point too that's i mean it's almost ridiculous it's almost like yeah Taylor, you're getting you an doing? original well, piece well, of art basically for like 20 bucks you know added to the but, added to the book that's already pretty pretty affordable for that type of book for sure for sure but it adds to the i mean it adds so much to it like just the the mystique of it the beauty of it as an object an art object in and of itself and then it's like there's this is it this is the only one in the entire world people like that so yeah yeah um so i guess i kind of wanted to before we wrap up go somewhat a little bit more esoteric with uh just this concept of art and what what is art you know the whole premise of like art wonderful um is kind of this theory that i play with that art is a a window to the soul Mm -hmm. um or a a mirror of one's soul or a a way to access one's soul or being and i'm kind of wondering like if you have any uh any overarching bigger ideas of what art is or what it can be or what it's what it's uh all about Well, I, I, I kind of live on the simple side of the street where it's like, uh, for me, um, it hopefully it creates a reaction and hopefully it, you know, people are in enter- like, I, I, am into storytelling mm-hmm. and I like that there's, uh, you look at it and, and you, you, you use your imagination a little bit and you make up your own mind about that story. And, um, and each time you see it, maybe you discover something a little bit different about it, or you create a little different story about it. And, you know, art can do all kinds of different things for different people. But the way that I produce art myself for the world, I want it to have a reaction where, um, uh, and, and, and that people go like, Oh, that's, that's effing cool. Like it's yeah. not super deep, you yeah. know, but it's like, the colors are super bright and they're, you know, and, and, uh, people go like, they make up their own name for this creature or or monster, whatever it is. And, you know, and they, they kind of laugh about it and, you know, maybe it, uh, inspires them to like make their own creature or their own world or their own, you know, I, I, like, I, I don't have any sort of like really, uh, deep, profound, uh, and then I and when I make the art, I want to enjoy what I'm making, and so yeah, things yeah. that that bring me light and bring enjoyment to me are very playful, and um, that they that there's uh, yeah, generally there's like a a real a realism to it, but it's also uh, imaginative, and uh, you you feel like I I bet there's something like that running around on the on this planet and some deep (laughs) you know dark forest now we've been hearing a lot about this mysterious 
uh, Creatures Field Guidebook. You can find out more about it and pick up one for yourself at an incredible price at roguebuddha.com forward slash store. Again, that's at roguebuddha.com forward slash store. I like the cryptozoology thing. I, you know, I like, uh, you, get you know, Chubacabra and that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I love, I love the idea that we're, I love science. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I, I empirical evidence and everything else, but I like that in this world, there is unknown stuff that you can't explain and that there's paranormal stuff that, even the you know the the greatest scholars can't explain and um you know uh, there's just stuff out there that is uh still magical and for me that is what i really like and enjoy wow well uh eli i can't thank you enough for uh being on the show and spending some time with me here and sharing a lot of uh, you know, what you think and sharing your creativity with the audience. It's been a huge honor and privilege. Likewise, I, I, I can't tell you enough like how, uh, yeah, it's been really great listening to you. And um, I really, I'm, I'm very thankful for this opportunity. So. Sweet. All right. I'll catch you All soon. Right. Yep. Later. Night. Right. Bye. Bye. And that is a wrap for today's episode. I want to thank Eli Lipson once again for his time and for sharing a bit of his world with us. I want to thank you for joining me, and I hope you do so again and often. And please feel free to share this podcast with your art-loving friends. If you want to be social, find us on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time, remember, the best life is the creative life, and the best self is the artistic self. Now go make some art or go buy some art, or just go enjoy some art. Cheers. Cheers.